Hello folks, this is Rich Palazzo from Thinking Accurately Education. And as you probably remember, we are reading through our book, The Bible, Christianity, and American Government. And we're up to chapter 4, which is God's plan for self-government then and now. So let's begin. In the last chapter, we talked about Noah, Nimrod, and the people, and how they got together to disobey God and build a centralized empire around the Tower of Babel. Soon afterwards, God thwarted their ambitions and scattered them, with the children of Japheth heading off toward the north, the children of Ham heading toward the south, and the children of Seth spreading out through the Middle East. Some people have even gone so far as to say that Noah himself, even before the Tower of Babel, headed east and founded ancient China. The book of Job, considered by many to be the oldest book of the Old Testament, seems to recall what happened to Nimrod's ancient empire. Uh, This is from Job chapter 12, Uh, verses 19 through 20 and 24 through 25. It says, He, God, leads princes away plundered and overthrows the mighty. He deprives the trusted ones of speech and takes away the discernment of the elders. He takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in a pathless wilderness. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. The point is that man, us, we, no matter how smart we get, no matter how advanced we become, can never be smarter or more powerful than God. And thankfully, he is good, He is kind, and he wants the best for us. A case in point might be observed in the book of Jonah. The people of Nineveh, uh, in at that point the Neo-Assyrian Empire, had become cruel and ruthless and were threatening the nation of Israel. So God was not happy with them. What did he do? Did he send down fire from heaven to destroy them? No. Instead, he sent a prophet, Jonah, to warn them. And this is what God said to Jonah about the city of Nineveh, which coincidentally had been part of Nimrod's ancient empire. Should I not, he said, pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. That's from Jonah, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground, without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, 
in the sacred writings that except the Lord build, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without this concurring, without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. That's from Benjamin Franklin, uh, the Constitutional Convention of 1787. But some people today are no longer impressed with the ideas of Benjamin Franklin or those of Thomas Jefferson or of Plato or Aristotle. Uh, Steve, Steve Stewart Williams, PhD, he's an evolutionary psychologist and cultural evolutionist, wrote, in a certain sense, then, today's preschoolers are smarter than the greatest thinkers of the ancient world. This is the kind of thinking that people that leads people to say things like this. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's from uh, Barack Obama from his uh, campaign visit in 2008 to Columbia, Missouri. Back in ancient times, God chose Noah to build the ark and to save the human race. But only a couple of generations later, it was Noah's grandson, Nimrod, not Noah, who built the first empire and set himself up to lead it. Benjamin Franklin would have called that laboring in vain, in vanity, in the idea that Nimrod was smarter, better than the people around him. Elitism is defined on being as the attitude or behavior of a person or group who regard themselves as belonging to an elite. Why, though, is elitism so prevalent? One source says, Abraham Lincoln's dream of governance by, of, and for the people has mutated into a deathless trope emanating from megaphones in the hands of charlatans, Philistines, and fools. That's from Salon, dated October 25th, 2015. So how do these elite come to power? Well, we put them there. My favorite president was a man named James A. Garfield, and he once said, now, more than ever, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, rest, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the national legislature. If the next centennial, Garfield said, does not find us a great nation, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. That's James A. Garfield, the 20th President of the United States in 1877. 
The point is, if the people who are running any particular arena of our culture, whether it's government or media or higher education or whatever, if they have values that are different than yours, then you have a responsibility, a duty to do something to rectify the situation. If you don't, you are accepting it. You are in fact saying, this is the type of culture I deserve. Well, is it? We are very fortunate to live in the greatest republic, the freest democracy that has ever existed through the history of the world. And we do not have to see it fall into ruin. Let me leave you with a quote from Richard Mayberry, also known as Uncle Eric. He's an author. Perhaps, he says, more than anything else, we should assume that humans have the ability to overcome their problems and move forward. One of the most noteworthy characteristics of America's founders is that they were aware of their own world and indeed that their own characters and personalities were not the best that humans could do. They worried about slavery, about poverty and war, and they wanted something better. More importantly, they knew enough law and economics to believe something better was possible, and they were working toward this goal. But they were not utopians. They realized that a perfect society is not possible. They knew we could do much better, and they were trying to create the legal environment that would enable this to happen. The belief that a better tomorrow is possible is, essential, is absolutely essential, not only for the rescue of our country, but for the mental well-being of the individual. Young people need it desperately. However, we need to visualize this better future. That's from Richard Mayberry from What Would Thomas Jefferson Think About This in 1994. So my question to you is, do you believe that a better future is possible? I ask you to think about that. I thank you for listening to our uh, podcast today. We're also available on a uh, blog called thinkingaccuratelyeducation.com and through a YouTube channel, which is, we're now covering this book, The Bible, Christianity, and American Government. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. Bye now.